I'm a stud. I'm ballsy. I don't take no shit from anyone. I smoke my stogie anywhere I want. I don't have to find a hideout place like you. How bad is number two on In the 2021 NFL Draft, the Atlanta Falcons select Kyle Pitts. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Touchdown, Atlanta! What is up? My name is Jesse Head, and this is another episode of the Heads Up Podcast, your source for all things Falcons-related. And I'm starting to get in that football zone, starting to feel that football energy, uh, getting to the mindset that football is here. I'm getting excited. I'm starting to feel that false hope that my team can be really good. Um, and just excited, man, about seeing the players that we have, the new coaches, and and start seeing them uh, implement this new regimen and uh, seeing the direction that this team's going to go, man. So it all starts officially here with training camp this Thursday. Uh, so super excited about that, man. For this episode, guys, um, we're going to be focused on training camp for probably the next, you know, five or six from a positional st- positional group standpoint. So we're going to be digging into some of the positional groups and talking about them. For this specific episode, we're going to talk about the defensive line. This is one of the groups that I'm most excited about because I feel like we have a ton of untapped potential there. Um, and I'm excited to see what Dean Pease does with that. I feel like he's the type of coach and he has the type of scheme um, that is going to help out some of these players and tap into the potential that they have with putting them in uh, successful, um, you know, uh, roles within the defense and um, schematic, you know, just having good schematic uh, planning uh, to make sure that we get a good pass rush. And I'm excited to see, you know, how these players benefit from it. So pumped up about talking about this group. And then, you know, there's nothing more exhilarating uh, than watching one of your players absolutely obliterate you know, the, the opposing quarterback. So this is definitely one of my favorite, um, you know, groups to pay attention to when I'm watching a game. Um, I'm usually locked into to the trenches um, anyway, just seeing seeing what we do there because the games are won there. So we're going to talk a little bit about these guys, man. We're not going to talk about every single player um, in the, in the, within our defensive tackles and our defensive ends, uh, but we're going to talk about most of them, and especially the ones that we know are going to be making the team. So let's jump into it. You guys have heard me talk about Airport Vapes before. They're premier provider for all your vaping needs in Atlanta. They've got vape mods, tons of vape flavors. They've got a CBD line called Hollum's Hemp's. They've got tincture lines. They've got gummies. They've got uh, tincture lines for your pets. They've got all kinds of stuff. You gotta go in there and check these guys out. Go in there and ask for Kurt. Kurt's the owner. He's an expert on all this stuff. He has dedicated his life to this store and making sure that he provides the best products in the Atlanta area. Go over there and check them out. They're located on Lang Avenue in Hapeville, Georgia. So let's keep in mind as we go through this, guys, that you know Dean Pease runs a 3-4 defense, uh, but in a league like today where, you're, where there's so much passing going on, you're running a nickel-type pa- nickel package about 70% of the time. And then a dime package takes up that thirty percent. So you're you're rarely seeing your base defense out there too much. So we're going to talk about a lot of different you know alignments of where these linemen are lining up and a lot of different things. And it's you know a little bit confusing. So just bear with me. Hell, I don't even know what's going on sometimes. But um, so we're going to be talking a lot about our interior linemen, our defensive ends, 
and then the uh, the jackbacker, uh, which is he's a defensive end, he's a linebacker, he's kind of both, but he does a ton of defensive end type things. So we'll be talking about that, and that's kind of your pass rush specialist, which we went over that jackbacker type role, um, and I think episode. 14 or 15 when we went over Dean P's defense uh, talking about that and just the base 3-4 defense and what all that means and what the difference is from what we've been seeing for the past you know 16-17 years in the 4-3 defense versus the 3-4 defense that we're um, going into now with Dean P. So we'll start with this um, interior lineman group and we'll just take a take a look at some of the the names in this and some of the bigger names in this one. We've got Grady Jarrett Tyler Davison, Marlon Davidson, John Kaminsky, Deidre Sanat, and John Atkins. And you could probably put John Kaminsky in that edge group too if you wanted to, but I, I chose to put him in this one because I think that we'll see a lot of him um, working out of these type of uh, – working with this group and working out of these type techniques the most as we go into training camp and watch training camp unfold. So these guys are going to play all over the place. Um, in this scheme, just depending the situation, um, it's mostly going to resolve around Grady Jarrett and Dante Fowler and getting them in situations, in, in favorable pass rush matchup situations to get them back to the quarterback. We can see these guys lining up anywhere from a one technique, and I'm talking about this interior group here, all these names I just mentioned, anywhere from a one technique to a five technique. Um, again, if, if you're unfamiliar with those defensive uh, technique alignments, go and check out the um, the episode where I went over Dean P's defensive scheme. I kind of walked through what the alignments are and w where they line up at, but I believe most people listening do know what that is. So the, um, the zero tech would line up right over the center, and then the five tech would line out on the outside shoulder of the offensive tackle. So you count the numbers in between. So a lot of potential in this group. Um, obviously, biggest name on this list, Grady Jarrett. We already know what Grady Jarrett does and what he brings to the table. We're not going to dig too much into him. You know, in 2020, he had the third highest win percentage when pass rushing. Played about 80% of our defensive snaps. Ended up the season with four sacks, 21 quarterback hits, and 25 plus pressures pressures in every season for the past three years. Um, He's, you know, consistently been a dominant um, player in the NFL since he's been in the NFL. Um, we're going to see him a lot in the three-tech and the five-tech range, just depending on the opposing formations um, that we're going against. And I think it's going to benefit him a lot. I think they're going to – I think Dean Pease is going to start putting him in kind of that Aaron Donald game plan, um, which is lining him up in that three-tech a lot and then lining him up in that five-tech sometimes too – you know, to isolate him and, and um, you know, get some pressure. And especially if you're, you know, lined up in that um, kind of that 3-4 style defense where you bring the, you know, your jackbacker. So imagine you've got, you know, um, Grady Jarrett at a 5-tech and then you've got um, Dante Fowler outside of him and you're bringing both those guys off that end. Risky business, but, I mean, high reward, you know, co you know coming at the op opposing offense with that kind of game plan. So, Real excited about that. I don't think it will be um, because the focus is going – I think the focus is going to be on the uh, getting the jackbacker back there. But I hope that Grady Jarrett, um, you know, benefits from, from this offense or from this defense and what Dean Pease brings to the table. I'd just like to see him reach that eight-sack mark. That's one accomplishment that he has not, you know, gotten to yet. And I'd love to see him get to that point 
um, you know, in his career and get those sacks. I just don't know if he's going to get to that point with the focus being getting the the Jack backer back there and and getting him the sacks. Because if you if you look back at all his defenses, traditionally that has been the person that is the lead, you know, sack producer, which is it should be. It should be that way. That person should be the you know the lead dog on there. However, um, when you go back and look at his defensive schemes, and we talked about this in the other episode, but when you go back and look at his defensive schemes, he usually has a lead dog, but he, he, he has a really strong grouping of guys that are in that sack range from three to six. And there's, there's usually, you know, seven, eight different guys. Uh, when you look back at all his rosters and defensive stats that those guys have, they're usually all kind of, he has a big group in that range. And that's what makes a team great when, you know, you, got, you have a, a lead dog or, a, you know, a 1A and a 1B. And then you've got a bunch of dudes that are eating because the, because everybody you know the offenses are fearing those guys and they're trying to make sure that they block them. So hopefully, I think that Grady Jarrett. I mean, he's obviously going to be great like he's always been, but I hope that he can take that next step, that next step, and start getting sacks um, that are that are up there in the numbers, kind of like eight sacks a year. That would be nice. Love to see that happen. Next player, Tyler Davison. Um, he was a guy that we signed to an extension. We've had him here a couple years. He had a good solid stint with the New Orleans Saints. Um, this is a guy that they obviously felt uh, you know, strong about him because he was one of the guys that they definitely wanted to extend. I think in this type of uh, defense, uh, when they're running that base formation and they have uh, somebody over the nose tack or somebody over the, the center or right off the center, you want somebody that can take up a lot of space. So you want somebody that can do two things. You want them to be able to stuff the holes for runs, for uh, run stopping. And then you want somebody that can take on double teams, somebody that can um, take up a couple guys so we can start freeing up you know, a Grady Jarrett or a Dante Fowler or hopefully a John Kaminsky, a John Kaminsky which is somebody that we're going to talk about that I'm extremely high on going into this season. So his goal is to do those two things, stop the run and take up blocks for the pass rush. Next guy, Marlon Davidson, man. So this is where this group gets a little bit interesting, and you you see the names, and it's it's somebody that you you look at and you go, this guy has a lot of potential that he could probably be extremely successful in this team. I'm super amped up to see you know his development and impact this year. Um, you know, going into his second year, he was my favorite pick in the 2020 draft. After hearing his interviews and his mindset, he's just a dog that wants to go out there and hurt people and. As bad as that sounds, that just gets me fired up. You need a dude like that on your roster, a guy like that in the locker room, where people got to tell him, you need to calm down a little bit, man. You're freaking everybody out in here. And I just love this dude, man. He gets me fired up. You watch those interviews and just how, how he you know approaches the game. Uh, you you want this dude on your team. Freak talent, um, you know, along with the, uh, the mindset that he has. Probably one of the most talented defensive linemen that we have on this roster outside of Grady Jarrett. Um, he battled, you know, some injuries in 2020, and then he got so he missed like the first two games with some nagging knee injuries from training camp, and then he got COVID, ended up missing like four games, and then just everything just it just didn't start, it didn't come together for him. He, he got he got off to a bad start with some injuries, got COVID, and just didn't get the playing time that he needed to get to start developing. He ended up playing like what I'd guessed like. 10% of the snaps. I think I saw something exactly. It's like 12, 12. He got like 12.3% of the snaps or something like that. Um, I think he'll be great lining up in that three tech and five tech. Um, when he was at Auburn, he played a lot of defensive end for them. 
And this was a guy that people were extremely high on. Everybody, you know, really thought that this could be a, a extremely successful dude in the NFL. But unfortunately, we just really didn't get to see, you know, what he has. And I think after, you know, getting some playing time in the 2020 season, uh, he's been through a training camp before. He's about to go through another training camp. Um, he's got some, you know, true defensive gurus to learn from and train under with this new scheme that we've, uh, these new this new scheme we're bringing in and the new slate of coaches that we have. You know, I'm excited to see what he does. I think this is a guy that can emerge um, out of the group that we have here and be one of those strong rotational players for us um, and play in that three-tech and five-tech range for us. Um, you know, bouncing around along that from, you know, the outside shoulder of the guard to the outside shoulder of the offensive tackle. I think he can fit in well, man. The idea of him and Grady Jarrett blitzing from the five and three techs is extremely appealing to me. And however you want to switch them, you're just depending on, you know, the the, the downing and the formation and the uh, offensive formation that's going on. There's just a lot of stuff that you can do, um, you know, if, if Marlon Davidson can bring it all together. So, Really amped up, man, to see what he does and what he brings uh, to the table going into the into the 2021 season. Next guy, I'm super high on as well. Um, and just just you look at this list, man. There's just a lot of potential here. John Kaminsky. I mean, you look at that. Every I don't know one Falcons fan that doesn't think that this guy can be special on this roster. Um, he's probably I've probably seen his name more out of anybody on our roster entirely of being the potential breakout player um, for us. He's just he's just absolutely so athletic and he can do so much. You know, this is a he's a guy that just everybody wants to see him succeed. He's 25 years old, you know, going into his third season, uh, you know, wonder, under one of the great defensive gurus of the NFL all time, you know, future Hall of Famer in Dean Pease. And I think he can make I think Dean Pease can, Dean Pease can make something out of John Kaminsky. 6'5", you know, 285 pounds, freakish athlete. I read an article a while back, um, you know, when he was drafted, it, he was drafted for his athleticism, went to a very small school, I think it was like Charleston or something like that. He had an RAS, which is a relative athletic score, and if, for those, you know, that don't know what that is, it's basically they compile their size and agility and explosiveness and the numbers that they have on the 40 and cone drills and, you know, jump and all those things like that, and they come up with a score um, you know, based off of those things, and it's called their their relative athletic score. His was a nine point four, which is absolutely fucking insane. You don't see that, and his was uh, that's on the, the elite scale of athleticism. So, I mean, he's an elite athlete if he can bring it all together. Um, he's got a ton a ton of potential here, man. Got a lot of high hopes for him. Due to hit now, if he was you know a strict role defensive end or you know strict role you know, defensive tackle, I wouldn't be saying that. But Dean Pease, he values versatility. And John Kaminsky can play anywhere from a one-tech you know, over to a five-tech. And we've seen him line up in one-tech. I would not say that on my own. We, he lined up in a one-tech, I think, on a, um, on a run play to the outside that was a third and long or something like that. But you can put him in on a lot of different areas. Just a big and athletic guy that can do a lot of different things in a defense that you know, is – thrives for those type of versatile guys. So they can be a big year for him. Last year, he ended up with one sack and 10 pressures. Um, you know, I talked about finding those guys in the middle of the pack um, that, that can get the you know three to six sacks you know per year. This is one of those guys. I think that he can be in that three to six sack range, you know, based on this defense, you know, and, and, and how he can be used, um, 
you know, with uh, you know, with DMP's scheme and, and what he brings to the table. I think, you know, in those pass first situations, you can bring him inside, and then on the um, you know, uh, uh, they're running like a base offense or something like a um, you know, two tight end set, twelve personnel set, or something like that. You can put him on the edge and bring him off the edge. So just a lot of different things that you can do with him, and 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 you know, with that type of uh, versatility, he can be successful here, man. On to Deidrin Sanat. God, I'm so over this dude. Um, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets cut during training camp. Uh, guy that's been on the roster for a couple years, and he's just he's one of those dudes that you forgot that he was even on our roster. Um, we all thought that he would end up being that Tyler Davison type guy, that, that run stuffer, taking up blocks, uh, eating space up. But he just never really panned out to be that dude. And he's just been you know, a below average guy on the roster. And, you know, the greatest enemy of average is potential. And we're going to have a lot of dudes within this grouping that do have a lot of potential. You know, for those that don't know, you know, I manage recruiting for a a construction company. Um, And and one of the things that's a part of my job is managing our intern roster. Um, And, you know, what we keep on that roster is is usually, you know, talented, you know, uh, young uh, rising construction students um, that are potentially going to be superstars um, as we develop them within our construction company within the construction industry and you know a hundred percent of the time if we have somebody that's you know average below average I want to replace that guy immediately with with somebody that you know I've interviewed that I think has potential or that or, or my company is interviewed and we think he has potential I want to replace that dude a hundred percent of the time and I think we're at that point with Deidre Sanat would not be surprised if by the end of training camp he is a free agent. Um, but if he does make the roster, he will be kind of that similar, you know, person to a Tyler Davison. But he just, you know, we just, I don't know what happened, but he just, for some odd reason, never panned out. I don't know if it's a work ethic thing. I don't know if it's a um, skill thing or whatever it may be. But for some odd reason, he's just not who, you know, we thought he was going to be. And, um, you know, here we are with him. But I'd be happy with him being off the roster at this point, especially with this name, John Atkins, uh, the newly signed um, Falcon. He had a two-year stint at Detroit and only started about six games. So he's certainly a project, but he has potential. And uh, potential is good, man. So I think that uh, he can certainly be um, that Tyler Davison-type player, uh, eating up space, you know, taking up uh, taking up multiple blocks and being a run stuffer um, on those uh, those third and short downs. Uh, I like John Atkins a lot. You know, I, I'm certainly not a UGA fan or anything like that, but I've always liked John Atkins, and I think he can uh, he can bring uh, a lot to the to the table. Being a rotational type guy, or certainly being a backup plan if if something happens to Tyler Davison. So certainly an area that you want to have depth. Um, uh, on the roster, so I think he can certainly be that type of guy for us. And then um, next to Quan Graham, so this is an interesting one. I know a lot of people are high on him, and I certainly am too. I just don't know where he fits in on this roster. So we talked a lot about Taquan Graham um, on some previous episodes when we broke down the uh, 2021 draft. So go check that out if you want to dig in a little bit deeper on Taquan Graham. But um, he'll you know line up in that three tech or five tech. Just, however, and he's certainly a skilled guy, and he has and he has some potential there. 
But with the players that I previously mentioned, with you know Grady Jarrett, Marlon Davidson, John Kaminsky, uh, Tyler Davidson, these guys, I, I just don't see where he gets into that unless one of them are injured. Right now, with where we're at, we want our those those rotational guys, um, those secondary guys behind, kind of like your Dante Fowler and your Grady Jarrett, those secondary sack guys and the guys that you're wanting to develop to be those superstars and get that playing time and get that development, those are the guys you want it to go to. Now, if he goes into training camp and has one hell of a training camp and we just cannot resist, of course he'll get in the mix and everything like that, but I just don't see how he's going to push out a John Kaminsky or a Marlon Davidson as far as getting in that rotation, but it's absolutely certainly possible. So I've got high hopes for him. I just don't know how soon we're going to see um, all that come together. On to our defensive end. So these guys will line up in the five tech or standing up on the edge, just depending the formation and package um, that we're using, whether it's a base three, four, a nickel package or dime package or whatever it may be. You know, looking at this group, really scarce, not um, certainly not one of the bright spots on our team at all from a from a grouping standpoint. You've got Dante Fowler. Um, which is kind of the, the, the lead dog in the pack. Steven Means, um, Adetto Combo, and then uh, Jacob um, Mariner. And you, you look at this group, and other than Dante Fowler, it's a little bit daunting, um, a little bit concerning to look at. Dante Fowler, to me, when you're looking at this this list, is the only true like jack linebacker, so that pass rush specialist type guy that sometimes is going to drop in coverage and sometimes do man coverage and stuff, but main role is going to be pass rush. We don't know what we've got um, in Adetto, and we don't know what we've got in Jacob Mariner, so it's a little bit concerning when you look at that. Steven Means is a true journeyman. We know that, and we'll get into that in a minute, but you know, Dante Fowler is the only you know true jack linebacker, so you wonder if something happens to him you know, who do you have that steps up in that specific role? Obviously, opposite of him, all three of these dudes can certainly play that opposite defensive end role, um, but it gets a little thin after that. So Dante Fowler, the lead dog of the group, like I said, playing that jackbacker role, which isn't saying much after that 2020 showing um, at all. However, I do have some high hopes for him, especially with this new scheme. He's coming off an all-time low three-sack season in 2020 after having 11 and a half in 2019. But I'll say this, you know, Dean Pease has been raving about him and saying that he's in great sh- great shape, he's got a great skill set, he's got a lot of different pass rush moves, and he's excited about working with him. And, you know, benefit of the doubt for Dante Fowler, other than his rookie year and the year that he got traded midseason to the Rams, he's always had at least six sacks or more. So, you know, I think with an uninterrupted season, and he did say that he had an injury last year. You remember they were talking about, um, I think it was Dan Quinn that came out and said, or, or Raheem Morris that came out and said that he, um, that Dante Fowler needs, you know, needs to step up his game, and the only thing you can do is look in the mirror. And then he tweeted about, they'll tell you this about me, but they won't tell you that I've been battling a shoulder injury all season. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he was injured last year. Um, and we had just, you know, everybody on that defense looked bad other than Grady Jarrett. So, you know, you can look at that whole roster and say that, you know, our defense sucked. And you could probably say, give every, you know, make a case that everybody on that defense sucked a little bit. Um, but, um, you know, it was a bad situation, uh, or our defense was a bad situation overall. Uh, so you got to kind of start giving some of these guys the benefit of the doubt and saying, okay, well, let's see what they can do 
in a different scheme with different coaches and a different approach. So I do think that he'll have a bounce back year. Um, it just depends on what your definition of a, a bounce back year is. Um, I think this year that, that if he gets around seven, eight, nine sacks, that's a successful year. That's a turnaround. If he has 10 plus sacks, obviously that's a huge year, major turnaround. And we can certainly credit his injury in a bad defensive scheme last year uh, to his lack of production. But I think um, I think he'll be around that. I think that if he has eight sacks, that's really successful um, coaching and development for him and going into um, or starting to implement this new regimen that we have. Next on the list, Stephen Means. So like I said, he's a steady journeyman of the NFL. He's one of those guys that were like we're tired of hearing his name, but we're not mad at him about anything. He's always he's been pretty clutch for us as a rotational player and, and stepping up in the past. You know, I can't look back at too many memories that I have where I'm like, geez, I hate Stephen Means. So um, I, I, I like having him on the roster. I just don't know if I like having him this high on our roster. Him being one of the four guys that are gonna play in that Jack um, def- that Jack linebacker role and that other opposite def- or that opposite defensive end role that we'll have. Means ended up with three sacks in 2020 on a horrendous defense um, with no production whatsoever. Um, from the sack standpoint, we were just trying to pull anything that we possibly could out of our hat to try to get sack production. Um, but he was a steady rotational player player for us when healthy. I'm not expecting any fireworks or anything like that, but I think that Stephen Means, you know, can be a decent player for us um, on this defense. Especially, he is a, a versatile guy, so especially with him being versatile, I think that Dean Pease will find some ways to use him creatively. Um, but this is not a guy that I want to have uh, being, you know, a starter out there on our defense and um, being a guy that we turn to for success. Um, so. I'd certainly think he's a stepping stone for this regimen and um, for this first year. And then as we look to the future, I don't think we see him on this team other than being a true rotational player. But I think he's going to have more of an impact um, on this uh, defense or more of a he'll have a lot more playing time than than he would if we had some other options out there. But unfortunately, we're broke and we don't have many options. And that brings me to the next guy. So... If Adeto can step up, and guys, this is our draft pick that we had, number five, Adeto Ogundije. I believe that's how you say it. I'm going to struggle with that forever. But um, if he can step up and be a star, I think he'll be taking away from taking away snaps from Stephen Means. So, you know, we drafted him number five, or in the excuse me, in the fifth round to add some depth to a group that was already struggling. We had Dante Fowler, Stephen Means, uh, J- Jacob uh, Mariner, and then. Mingo, which we do not have him anymore, so that group just got a lot thinner as well, which Mingo was a guy that was going to be a day one starter in the type of formations where we needed to have you know, two of these uh, edge guys out there uh, on the field. So now that you know, list got thinner, and you know this, this is a rookie that could certainly start seeing, or could be one of the guys that sees a lot more playing time that wasn't taken in those first you know, three rounds. So I definitely think he's a guy. Big, athletic, uh, has power and speed, but needs to work on his hand usage. He needs to um, develop some moves, um, start working working those hands, because every great pass rusher in the NFL uh, has solid hand work um, when they're fighting. 
Um, his burst is going to be what helps him mostly um, uh, you know, throughout early in his career. Um, you know, while he's trying to develop those pass rush moves and that handwork, he's solid run stuffer um, and sets the edge pretty well. Pretty big guy that can set the edge because he's athletic. Plays smart, doesn't get sucked into too, sucked into plays too much, doesn't get sucked into play action. However, this is another level. <laughs> this is it's going to take him some time um, to get used to this. But you know, given the weakness of this group, I certainly think it's possible that. We could see him as an emerging name as training camp starts to develop. So I, I, he is one of the guys that, out of our rookie class, I can see him getting into a rotation pretty strong. And then Jacob Mariner. So Jake, Jacob was a sneaky good dude um, last year. And what I mean by that is he, he wasn't the most hated guy on the field. And there was a lot of hate being tossed around for our defense, especially uh, on the line. Lining up at defensive end, he had one sack five quarterback hits and 15 pressures on 373 snaps. So not a horrendous showing. I mean, he was he was a guy that we didn't expect a lot out of him. So when he did do things, um, we were pumped up about it. So I think he'll get into rotation uh, with these guys as well. I think we're going to see a lot of all these guys. And I think John Kaminsky will get in on this group as well, just depending on the formation and, and you know the alignments and what we're trying to do as we attack the offensive line. So um, definitely think he'll get in there some, especially opposite of Dante Fowler. Um, and we've got four down linemen formations. I certainly don't think this is the uh, most ideal group of players for Dean Pease to start out uh, his um, – first season as defensive coordinator with our Atlanta Falcons, but there's a lot of uh, potential to tap into and work with, um, you know, within our defensive, uh, our defensive line. The fact is, as we go into this season, you know, Dean Pease is going to have to scheme uh, to find pressure because we don't have, uh, you know, the elite pass rushers to get it done. He's going to have to come up with creative ways to disturb the quarterback. And we're going to see a lot of that throughout the season. And with that, we're going to see a lot of growing pains. Um, he's going to try to draw up uh, unique situations that are risky um, as far as getting back to the quarterback. And, you know, we're going to see some gain from it, um, but we're also, uh, you know, we're going to hurt from it as well. Um, because when you do those those type of uh, blitzes, all the creative stuff that he does, there's always a, a way to attack that pass rush. And we're going to, you know, we're going to see it fail sometimes, but we're going to see it be successful. I think we'll see it fail a little bit more often than we see it succeed. Um, with the players that we have and them trying to learn this scheme and adapt to this scheme. Um, but I will say this, I think it'll be better than last year. So I don't think it'll be as painful to watch um, this year as it was watching the defense last year and, and trying to get the pass rush. But the good news is, man, this is all speculation. And training camp starts uh, you know, this Thursday, and we get to see it all unfold. It's tough to find a reliable barber. Everybody wants to look their best, and that starts with a fresh haircut. That's why you gotta go check out Eclectic Barbershop, the best barbershop in Atlanta. Whether it's for a hot date and you're trying to get your freak on, or a business meeting and you're trying to give off a good impression. I get the fade, that's my thing, but they can do it all. They take care of you. They do the hot towel, straight razor, they'll even hook you up with an ice cold beer while you're waiting, or while you're getting your haircut. They're located at 805 Peachtree Street, Parking is free across the street. Eclectic Barbershop. Check them out.
that is a wrap of the Heads Up Podcast. Uh, Everybody out there, man, make sure you subscribe or follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Make sure you leave a five-star written review. It'll help out a ton, man. I truly appreciate it. Um, You can find me on social media, uh, on Instagram, at Atlanta Falcons Podcast, on Twitter, Heads Up Falcons. Uh, Go and follow me, man. Hit me up. Let me know what you think. A big shout-out and thank you to my producer uh, for all the editing that he does uh, for the podcast. You do great work, Jason, man. Thank you so much. Um, Everybody out there, thank you so much for uh, listening. We will see you next time.